If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to get them and turn to 1 John chapter 4. And the scriptures will be on the screens as well. Uh, but we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 17. Awesome, awesome text. Uh, first letter written by John to the church. Not, as best we can tell, any specific uh, location. Just passed broadly throughout the believers at the time. And verse 7 begins like this. Dear friends... Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. In case you forgot, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful passage. Please, in this moment, cleanse this room and our hearts and bodies of any distractions that will um, take our attention off of you, your glory, and your love for us and what you have to teach us through your word. Please move me aside, bind my tongue that I might not say anything outside of your will, and Holy Spirit, please be the great teacher and speak directly from Scripture to the hearts of your people. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. So around five and a half years ago, I began to date my now wife, Kelsey, and uh, I was a rookie in the, in the world of, of love and dating. Um, Kelsey is actually the only person that I've ever been, not just in a relationship with, the only person I've ever been on a date with. Uh, so I 
I was inexperienced, to say the least, and, uh, and, and yet we began to date. Uh, she conceded to go out with me and to continue for a trial period. And, uh, and about two months into our relationship, uh, we had made things official at this point, and uh, official, my girlfriend, and uh, I thought things were going very well. Uh, we had gone out to dinner one night, beautiful date. Uh, I planned it out real good, a surprise. She loves surprises, where we went out to dinner, and, and we got back to the place where she was living at the time, and uh, nice there's a nice uh, outdoor seating area, and we're, we're sitting out there under the stars. It's beautiful, beautiful starry night, and, um, and I am very happy. Uh, I began to feel emotions welling up within me. In fact, over the, the two or so weeks leading up to this evening, uh, my emotions towards Kelsey had been strengthening. And I began to think, wow, I really, really like this girl. I think she's the one I want to marry. I've decided. Uh, I'm a very decisive person. And, uh, and so I decided I wanted to marry her. The other thing about me, if you know me, is that I am one of those guys who is in touch with his emotional side. And I'm also uh, very... Uh, much an external processor, and I say what's on my heart, and pair that with the fact that in my inexperienced state, I had learned uh, and always heard that one of girlfriends' biggest um, peeves about their boyfriends is that their boyfriends can't say what they're feeling. They can't share their emotions, and, uh, and so I put two and two together, like a brilliant man that I was, and I said when the, when the moment felt right, Kelsey, I think I'm falling in love with you. And if we're sitting like this, she to me, she did one of these in her chair. And I was... Not sure what was going on. I was like, man, is she just so overcome with joy at my expression of love that she just needs a moment to herself to celebrate really quick? Um, over the next few weeks, our relationship was in peril every moment of every day. <laughs> I thought she was going to break up with me each day for the next few weeks because I had really, really freaked her out, okay? Now, however, we are married now, so any single guys listening to this, I'm not saying don't do it that way. Um, no, I am saying don't do it that way. It was miserable, but uh, <laughs> why was that so freaky to her that I said, I love you? Why is I love you such a big phrase. All of us are born with an innate knowledge. Our, our text said God is love. So the one who is love has created us. That means we have fingerprints of God. We're in the image of God. And so we have an innate understanding that love is a very big deal. And we have an innate understanding that true love equals two things sacrifice, and commitment. 
So when someone says, I love you, that implies I'm going to sacrifice of my own life for you, and I'm going to be committed to you. 1 John chapter 4 is kind of like an instruction manual for love. And I'm not just talking about romantic love, but, but if God is love, that's the kind of love that I'm talking about. This is a roadmap for love. And I know all you engineers, Exxon engineers in here, uh, you love yourselves a good set of instructions. Am I right? And then there's the other half of you that are like, ooh, instructions. I can do this on my own. Uh, well, to you, I say, when it comes to the Bible, it's nice to have a good set of instructions. I think even you can agree with that. So without further ado, let's get into this instruction manual. Within this text of Scripture, we have four statements that begin with the words, this is. These are explanatory statements. This is how, or this is the definition of something. Uh, And contained within here, there are two incredible truths that are so incredible. Sometimes I think when we read it, we just move right on along because it's so unbelievable that we can hardly fathom it and we get on to the easier stuff to digest. But hopefully today we won't do that. So let's begin. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Okay, so we can gather where love originates. That word originate means the very beginning of the existence of something. So before God, no such thing as love. Love originates with God. You tracking? Verse 8, whoever does not love God, whoever does not love does not know God because, why is that? Because God is love. So if you're going to know God, one way that you can better understand God is by understanding love because God is love. It's, a, it's an irreducible part of his character and his person. John continues in verse 9 with our first this is statement, and he says, this is how God showed his love among us. Okay, so we know love originates with God. We know that God is love. Now, how did he show us that? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He sent his son so that we can live. And then John backs it up even further in verse 10. And our second this is statement is an explanation, a definition of love. Okay, so we know that love starts with God. We know that God is love. We know how he showed us his love. But what is love to begin with? Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God. It doesn't originate with us. Rather, Love is that he loved us, first definition of love, and two, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love, according to verse 10, is two things. It's from God to someone, and 
It's sacrificial. The fact that God sent his son Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, that means to pay the price that we owed, is inseparable from the concept of love. Here's the first incredible truth that we have in this passage. Not only does love originate from God, but love, God's love, is incomplete unless there's a recipient. Let that sink in for a moment. God's love is incomplete unless there's a recipient. How do we get that? It's right in the very definition of love. This is what love is. God loved us. There's a recipient. And God, praise God, he has chosen us to be the recipients of his love. This is love. God loved us. God sacrificed for us. So love in its truest and purest form starts from God, is sacrificial, and lands upon us, his children. Okay? Then in the instruction manual, we come to a, so now what? Now what do we do? If this is true, what do we do with that? Verse 11, dear friends, since or because God so loved us, what should we do? We also ought to love one another. And in verse 12, he takes it a step further. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Two humongous statements. When we love one another, which we ought to do because God so loved us, God lives in us. Now, he prefaces this statement by saying that no one has ever seen God. So what we can infer is that the closest thing any of us will ever get to seeing God this side of heaven is when we encounter love from our brothers and sisters in Christ. You get to be the closest picture of God that anyone will encounter this side of heaven. The second statement there is that when we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. Contained within this statement is the second incredible truth that we must leave here with today. If we love one another, God's love is made complete in us. What do you think that means? What do you think of when you hear that phrase, made complete? One of my first thoughts is, so it's incomplete without us? Thankfully, this is an instruction manual. 
And John gives us the answer in verse 17 with our final this is statement. He says this, This, if you're wondering how, this is how love is made complete among us. It's so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment that we won't be judged. This is how. In this world, you and me are like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. This is how love is made complete among us. In this world, we are like Jesus. So what was Jesus like? Man, let me tell you. Jesus, love itself, born in a manger on that first Christmas we just celebrated two days ago. God, eternally past, eternally future, stepped into time. The one who created time stepped into time itself. Philippians 2 says that Jesus, though in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself low and took on the form of a servant. Jesus came, he grew And he spent his time day after day after day feeding the hungry, healing the sick. Jesus made himself low. He said, I am low and humble in heart. He made himself low so that he could lift up the lowly. Jesus sat with those who were unclean, the lepers who came to him and said, please heal us. Many people, anyone who encountered a leper, anyone besides Jesus would say, get away from me. You're unclean. Jesus not only stayed with them, was close to them physically, but he healed them. And finally, he paid the ultimate price by giving his life on the cross. But not just suffering physical death. In that physical death, he took on our own sin, yours and mine, and separated himself from his Father in so doing. The ultimate example of sacrificial love. This is the gospel. And so we have this truth that says, in this world we are like Jesus, and thus God's love is made complete in us when we do that. Allow me to tell you a story of the most perfect visual of this verse that I have been able to see in my life. And it's a story about my mama. This story is not prescriptive, so if you're listening, don't take it as these are the steps by which you can fulfill 1 John 4.17. 
It's just descriptive. It's just an example. At the age of 16, my closest in age sister, Marissa, began to get very sick. And in that year began my mom's Jesus-type love and devotion to caring for another human being. My mother was so devoted to the care of Marissa that she gave up her time. This meant not just spending time with my sister and caring for her needs. This meant giving up of her hobbies, her own self-care, friendships suffered, I'm sure, sleep was lacking. My mom spent hours and hours researching and studying Marissa's symptoms. So much so that when the third doctor in as many days failed to diagnose what was going on with her, it was only with the direction of my mother that we were ever able to figure out what was wrong. She knew her daughter, and she knew her daughter's symptoms such that it was through her that she was able to begin getting the proper treatment. My mom has incredible attention to detail. At the height that we know of, Marissa had 11 very serious medical conditions. And my mom knows the ins and outs of every single one of those. Give her three doctorates. Marissa, at the peak, was on 11 medications taken daily, administered at five different points throughout the day. And if she were to miss one, it could mean serious repercussions and flaring of her symptoms. My mom wouldn't let her miss a single one. Marissa had seven doctors. Not, not just talking about doctors that she visited once for something that came up. Seven doctors that were her doctors. I don't remember a week that went by without one or more physically, emotionally, mentally draining trips to the doctor that my mom and Marissa took. Not to mention countless ER visits. She was present, incredibly present with Marissa. Almost every waking moment that she had, all the way until Marissa's last waking moment, my mom was present. To give you a picture of the amount of sacrifice 
that my mom gave up for my sister. I remember thinking after Marissa died, what is mom going to do now? Her whole life has been devoted to caring for her. That was a joke because the rest of us nine other kids give her plenty of trouble. The result of my mom's love for Marissa is that every single one of her kids knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that their mother will give up her life for theirs. No questions asked in extraordinary ways. I love you, Mom. I got to watch as my mom was Jesus to Marissa. To lay it out very plain, the second incredible truth that we cannot leave here today without grasping. John said, this is how love is made complete. God's love is made complete in us when we love one another. This is how in this world we are like Jesus. That means that God's love, are you ready for this? God's love is not operating within its fullest intended purpose until it is flowing through you and I into others. I'm going to say it again. God's love is not operating at its fullest intended purpose until it is flowing through you and I into others. I do not know why God set it up that way. But what a powerful calling that we have on our lives. Just so you know, I'm not a heretic. I'm going to give you the Greek word for made complete. It's teio. Teio. Commentaries describe it describe its use in this passage in this way, okay? Imagine you are the captain of a ship, and it's your job to look out for hazards, pirates, maybe rocks or coral reefs that, that could damage your ship, destroy your ship, and it's, it's, it's people. And so one of your most important tools is a telescope, and you have this telescope and you're looking through it. 
But you know what I'm doing with this telescope? It's collapsed. You know how telescopes extend. This one's collapsed, and I'm holding it, and I'm looking through it, and things are, are blurry. I, or, or I cannot see as far as I need to or as I could if it were extended. What happens if I extend one link of the telescope? I can see a little bit further, a little bit more range into, into the hazards that I can prepare for for my ship. But what's my job? To protect my ship and its people. How can I do that to the fullest extent with this telescope? This telescope was designed to help me see really far on the horizon. I'm not using this telescope to its fullest intended purpose until I extend it all the way. And that fully extended telescope is God's love flowing through you into the world. This is how God's love is made complete among us. In this world, we are like Jesus. I wonder if some of you are thinking right now, wow, that's an incredible truth. And Zach's mom really was that. But that sounds hard. How can I offer that kind of sacrificial love? Well, it is hard. But here's the good news. You don't need to depend upon your own capacity for love. Because what is the definition of love? Where does it begin? It originates with God. This is love. Not that we loved God. It didn't start with us. But God loved us. So by definition, when you go out into the world and love those that you encounter, you are not creating your own love to give. You are a vessel for God's love. God is love. Love in its truest and purest form has originated with God and lands upon a recipient. He chose us. And love in its fullest and most complete form flows through us, the recipients, and now we become agents. And it flows through us and into those around us. 
Let us go out into this world and be like Jesus. Let's pray. God, help us to do this. First, I pray, Lord, that that you would help us to not reject the first part, that we are recipients of your love. Romans says that, Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Help us to believe that. Nothing we can do can separate us from your love, Jesus. And then help us to have faith to believe that for some reason you have chosen us to be your agents of love in this world. Help us to be like Jesus. It's in that name, that authority that we pray. Amen.